So if you had to choose your individual Rube Goldberg machine of death, what would it entail? Hmm. Well, it would probably be a kitchen accident. Oh, yeah. Unless that's too expected. How unexpected does it have to be? It would still probably be a kitchen accident. It doesn't have to be unexpected. Okay. Okay, so I am pouring hot caramel out of a pot. Ooh. And it splashes up on my hands. Uh Uh-huh. And so I drop the pot. Uh Uh-huh. And... Knock over some lemon extract on the floor, so you slip on that while you're on your way to the sink. Hit your head on the sink. Go back to where the KitchenAid is on, and it's mixing. Your oh, hand ends my up hair. in there. Oh, your hair—that's even better. It grabs my hair, and then oh, as I'm grabbing for something, I wind up grabbing a kitchen knife by the blade. Uh huh. And then. My hand slips in its own blood, and the kitchen knife goes flying and bounces off a cabinet and lands in my stomach. Yes. Is and that the, elaborate? Uh, yes. I would like to add that then the KitchenAid mixer has been traveling across the counter like they do sometimes. Oh, and it falls on my head. No, it falls onto the floor and brings your head with it, and that's the final blow. Got it. Love it. Appreciate you it. won't love it, but it is what's probably going to happen. I got this feeling. Weird feeling. The cabin starts to shake, right? And, and the, the left side blows up, and then the whole plane just explodes. The plane's gonna explode! It's not a joke! It's not a joke! We get thrown off the plane all because Brownie has a bad dream? I saw it. The plane! It's gonna blow up! It's gonna blow up! Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, a bad movie podcast. Where today we're talking about Final Destination. So I realized as I was watching this, like, I've never actually seen a Final Destination movie. I saw this, it must have been like over 10 years ago. And I ranted about it for days. Wow. Because it was so stupid. So the director and writer of this was James Wong. Not James Wan, who did The Conjuring, but James Wong, who has done a ton, written and produced a ton of X-Files. And this was allegedly a discarded X-Files episode story that inspired this. So yeah, starring Devin Sawa, a very Canadian young man. <laughs> He's so, so normal. Said words like, tomorrow. <laughs> He's just so normal looking. He, he was so forgettable. Yeah, he also couldn't close his mouth. Oh my um, gosh, I know. Even the picture of him on the cover of the movie even the, the has his mouth, his mouth open. open. I know. I was just like, close your mouth. You look like an idiot. He's a terrible actor. He That's the only way he could like ex- express emotion. <laughs> but he, to me, looked like a combination of Topher Grace and Jeremy Renner. Except that, like, so much more forgettable than either of those people. Well, that's why a combination of... And those people are of, kind of forgettable. That's, like, their whole thing. Yeah. That's, that's why he's a combination of them. <laughs> and he's also, like, younger. Yeah, he was so forgettable that, like, in the early part of the movie, when all the kids are at the airport, I kept losing track of him and thinking, like, oh, wait, is that him? Oh, no, that's someone else. Is that... I forgot who the main character was. A lot of the kids looked really similar. They did. I was like, foreigners must have a hard time with this. Like, I know, Asians? seriously. 
Must I watch mean, this movie and be like, I don't know, it's just a bunch of white guys. You make, I know, like, you make the joke that, like, foreign people can't tell white people apart, but sometimes I'm watching a TV I show, know. and they'll have two day players on with the same hair color, yes. and I'm like, wait, which girl is that? It's that one. No, it's the other one. No, I was right the first time. Like, I, I lose track of actors a lot, and I, if they have similar hairstyles and colors, yeah. I lose track of actors a lot, and I actually, um, whenever that happens, I'm always like, man, foreigners must have a hard time with this one. I know. <laughs> Yeah, so it was him, who I don't know anything else he's been in, Ali Larder from From Legally Legally Blonde. Blonde. And Heroes. And Heroes, and uh, the worst Resident Evil movie. Well, maybe not the (laughs) worst. uh, I mean, It's so hard to pick. (laughs) Sean William Scott. And then, of course, the inimitable Tony Todd, i.e. the Candyman himself. (laughs) So, we start out... And it is a stormy, windy night. We pan across Alex's room and we see a plane ticket to France, guidebooks to France, and we get some... The fan. They keep showing the fan. The fan. I know. I was like, what's with this fan? So it turns out Wind is either an agent for death or an agent for Alex to figure out what death is up to or nothing. (laughs) It is... It is alternately all of those things. Also, this montage was done to, like, the world's most suspenseful music. I know. They started out at at an eight. Well, right. (laughs) I know. And I'm like, this is insanely suspenseful music for a montage of plane tickets and a guidebook. Well, hang on. When we see the guidebook, we see some old-timey drawings of the guillotine and hear some faint screams. It's very foreboding. Which is funny because they never get to France, so, like... That doesn't really make sense. Yeah. There's so much fan in this intro. <laughs> fan yeah. and book, alternately. And Alex is going on a trip. We see him the next day. We just, this was just to an Germany. intro for him in bed. We see all these things. Mm, to France. Berlin. France is like, uh, tra- yeah, that was all, stuff was all Berlin. red herrings. <laughs> yeah. He's going to South America. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to France, and he won't let his mom take off the airplane tag from the last flight. This was weird. And he was like, well, no, uh, no, it's good luck, because it means, like, you got through that flight, and so, like... It has to be with the bag. Yeah. Which I'm like, for one thing, the airline's going to take it off, because that's Did confusing they? to the bag handlers. People used to be able to keep them on there for a long time. Like, people used to be able to collect them on their bag. I feel like it was after 9-11 that they started taking mm. them off. Um, but I'm not 100% sure on that. I've never been a huge traveler. Also, this, I guess, is supposed to establish his fear of flying, but it's never really established. It more just makes him seem superstitious than anything else. Well, right. And everyone in this movie, for some reason, is a little bit suspicious of planes. I know. I'm like, guys, this one was like the 2000s, not the 70s. Like, come on. <laughs> What's going on? Because even the father was like, oh, yeah, that checks out. Leaving the sticker on the luggage means that the plane won't go down. Also, his father, Mr. Exposition, <laughs> he stands there and he's like, oh, you're 17 and you're going on a class trip and uh, blah, blah, blah. You got your whole life ahead of you. And I was like, thanks, script. <laughs> yeah. And then we, we just have this scene just to establish those things. We didn't need it at all. No. You could have just started it at the airport because then it cuts to him in bed again. And the fans blowing around the room again. Right. And like, I think... He has a nightmare and he wakes up, but it's he just wakes up because of the wind. Yeah. It's the clock that we focus on and it says one o'clock and then it like 
it like blurs back and forth between 180 because that's the flight that he is on. Or is it his clock telling him to turn around? (laughs) That's what it is. Death was in the house. The call is coming from inside the house. (laughs) Because this was originally called Flight 180. Oh, that's funny. But they thought that it would get confused with other plane movies like Con Air. Right. I mean, that would be a terrible name for a a teen scream. Yeah, exactly. So they called it Final Destination. Also, did you notice uh, Vole Airlines? I don't know if this is a real airlines. What does that mean? Vole means to fly in France, but it also means to steal. Huh. That's funny. Nice. So... Hare Krishna hands in a, like, a death is not the end thing. And it was funny because I was like, that's not really the message of this movie. Like, it's like they just wanted a death thing in there. Yeah. But then he's saying death is not the end, and, like, that's never explored. Right. So, Allie Larder plays this, she's, like, a combination nerd and punk-ish girl. But, like, not really that punk. She's not, she's not that punk. It's just that, like, she, I had her pegged as a nerd, but she's not the nerd. She's not really shunned at all. No, and she she's, just like... She kind of keeps to herself quietly, but no one cares. Yeah, she's a combination of nerd and, like, cool girl TM. Like, when you see her welding and stuff later, and you're like, oh, so cool. She drops her book, and Alex picks it up to the page of Princess Dies Car. This is really where we see that Devon Sawa is just not attractive enough to sustain the amount of close-ups we're getting of him. <laughs> Her, his friend is BFF Todd, who spells Todd with one D, which is weird. It and has, like, a real New York accent for some reason. Which is weird because he's also Canadian. And his accent was ridiculous. It was, like... And it came out of nowhere because his parents didn't have it and nobody else there had it because they weren't in New York. That's what I was wondering. I was trying to figure out if they were in New York because he had such a strong New York accent. I'm like, I guess you could have moved as a kid. But I didn't notice his parents not having it because your parents would have it. Yeah, I guess... He also had a brother. I don't know if his brother had it. No, his brother didn't have it. So it was just him. Yeah. I mean, okay, maybe they were in New York. I don't 100% know. Um, But it doesn't make sense for only one person in the family to have it. Exactly. He, Todd, is... Oh, by the way. And actually, no, they're living in a small town. That's right. Todd, with one D, is -hmm. also the German word for death. Oh, okay. He's like, hey, let's go to the bathroom. And they're sitting there, and they hear Rocky Mountain High by John Denver. Mm -hmm. And Alex is so superstitious. He's sitting there, and he's like, John Denver died in a plane crash. And so I was also like, really upset okay. at having to see these people in the, in the bathroom. bathroom. There was a lot of bathroom shots. Yeah, it was. I didn't like it. I know. I didn't care much for it at Did all. Did you see also how high they kept Alex's boxers like on his thighs? Yeah. Fully on his thighs. And it was because they did this shot where they started at the top over them. And then they went down to like be facing him and they didn't want to deal with like, how do we not see anything we're not going to show? Yeah. And it was by having his boxers practically be on him. (laughs) Which I'm like, why does, why do they need to be? I mean, there was this weird setup to get them into the bathroom in that in individual stalls in the first place. Yeah. It was, what if a hot girl goes to the bathroom after you on the airplane? Because otherwise I'm like, if you need them to hear whatever song in the bathroom is playing, why don't you do like normal movies do and have them use urinals? Yes. Or be standing there at the sink later. Yeah. Yeah. Washing their hands afterwards. Like it's, it was a weird choice. Yeah. Um, so as they're boarding, you can see lightning around, like, way in the distance by the plane. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that causes delays. 
But as they're getting on, they see a baby and a mentally disabled man. This is where we see that the rest of the class is, is also, also harboring <laughs> because huge one of fears them, of the flight going exactly. down. Exactly. Somehow this is on all of their minds. All they're yeah. thinking about is this plane might crash. Right. And I've never thought that getting on a plane before. No. And to be fair, I don't. We don't have a fear of flying either of us, so we don't know what that's like. But but most weird people that, don't have a strong fear of flying. That's why it's more unusual for. And if they do, they don't talk about it. Like, so Don't casually. Yeah. So one of them is like, oh, well, look at these things. God would have to be really messed up to, to crash this plane yeah. or let this plane crash. Which is how planes crash, by the way. Yeah, exactly. God's like, mm, that one. Exactly. The plane starts to take off and things start going wrong. It's insanely bumpy. Yeah. And the flight attendants are standing there in the front and they're like so casual and they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no, it's fine. And I was like, even then, they're trying to reassure you. They're not just like, uh-huh, you guys got it. Well, I would understand if that was how they were trying to reassure them by being like, nothing's wrong. We're exactly. totally fine. But what's weird is that the Way pilots, too long. The pilots don't land anything. again. I know. Like, hold up. This is super bumpy. Something must be wrong with this plane. They're like, yeah. no, we can do it. Let's just power through. <laughs> Yeah. Also, the flight attendants stay cash way too long. At a certain point, you're like, okay, come on. A lot of things start going wrong dramatically. Uh, Sean William Scott loses his whoppers that go all over the aisle. That's tragic. It was. <laughs> Storage bins open. Luggage There's falls sparks out. Sparks overhead. The plane starts to rip apart. The oxygen masks fall. Yes. And then there's the worst nightmare on a plane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there's a fire on the plane and then a fiery death for everyone. And the plane literally explodes like, yeah. in a fiery ball. And so that's my thing. I'm like, so many things are unrelated here that are happening. The storage bins have failed. They mm-hmm. shouldn't just open when there's pressure. Yeah. Those have failed. There's Because now there's a bunch of luggage knocking around the cabin with everyone. Right. Like there's sparks overhead. The fire started under a seat. And part of the plane ripped off. Like, these are all unrelated things. And then, bam, he wakes up. Alex was asleep, sitting and on the plane. And I thought, I mean, obviously, like, from the beginning, you're like, this is our main character. He's not going to die in this plane crash, which obviously everyone is dying in. So I was like, oh, we're going to have to go through the whole airport again. <laughs> yes. But thankfully. Luckily, it was just on the plane. Little things start to happen exactly the same way as he dreamed them. These girls ask him to switch seats. Something comes off in his hand on the the tray. And he starts freaking out. Which, this must be a pretty shoddy airline. I know everything's falling apart. Yeah, like, not only do the overhead bins open and, like, sparks above and fire below and yeah. things ripping off, but also the tray tables won't even stay up. No, no, I know. So he's freaking out. His friends are trying to calm him down. The teachers are trying to calm him down. The jock, Carter, is a, an advertisement for anger management classes. <laughs> no. He is so filled with rage. <laughs> this is not it's your problem. Like just under his skin, boiling, waiting to get out. It's like all you had to do was stay seated. Like, this was not your problem to deal with. Nope. There were police he, officers on he's the not, flight. Yeah, he's not sitting next to this kid. No. But he gets up and starts a fist fight with him he, but, in yeah. the aisle. 
He's punching him. He punches him. him. Yeah. Um, And so now the police officers are having to break up a fight. I'm just like, how did you think this was going to solve anything? Yeah, I know. So they... like, he's hysterical. Slap him. This is just... Exactly. So everyone who was standing or even related to this gets thrown off the plane. And then Allie Larder was not part of it, but she gets up and leaves. (laughs) So, Sean William Scott... So we've got the goof comedy thing, which they never used him to his full He wasn't in it capabilities that either. He should have been the best friend. Yeah, he really should have been. So the comedy, the nerd, the BFF, the hot teacher, the jock, the jock's girlfriend. That's who's off the plane. And the guy who saw the vision, our main character. And our main character, yes. And it's funny because later on they mention there having been four teachers on the plane. But when they're getting off the plane, they say that there's only two teachers because they're like, well, one of us has to get back on. Yeah. Or they'll be alone. Yeah, they did say, or we'll be alone, um, which I already thought was weird to only have two teachers, but... For 40 kids. But I do also understand trying to get as many teachers back on the plane as you could. Oh, definitely, <laughs> yeah. But they, they uh, I think the script changed how many <laughs> there were. So that's who's off the plane. Everyone's freaking out. His friend Todd is like... Comes back and sits down with him. He's like, I called your parents. They're coming to get you. And I was like, are everyone's parents not getting called? Why did you call his parents? Why didn't he call his parents? Or why didn't his teacher call his parents? It should have been his teacher that called his parents. And not all of the parents were called because everyone else was going to go on a later flight that left three hours later. Oh, I forgot. That's right. So... He's like, ah, it's, 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 it's my, I, you know, I had this vision and this is what I saw and the plane explodes. Carter, the jock, is <laughs> incredibly angry about hearing, he hearing me, any of this. He made me so, his logic during this movie made me so upset the Everybody's whole time. logic was so ridiculous. Yeah. And they're in a fist fight and they get pulled apart just in time to see the plane explode. Yeah, because he's like, on. you're the reason that I'm... Not on that flight. And I'm like, no, you're the reason. Because you got up and punched him for no reason. I know. I know. He's like, I missed half a day in Paris. <laughs> right. I'm like, do you care? I mean, no offense, but you don't seem like the type that's really going to care that much about half a day in Paris. No. This is the guy who hits his wife and is like, well, you made me do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's really weird because this entire movie has been an insane amount of melodrama and tension and suspense that they're trying to build. And then when the plane actually explodes, Sean William Scott is the only person looking at it. And it's way in the background of the screen. Yeah. It's not even the main focus. Nobody, they're not all staring at it or something. But thankfully, to keep the melodrama up, all the windows blow out. Yeah, because it's close enough for that. It's not a comet flying into Russia, okay? So they all freak out. They're being detained in this really weird room. I couldn't figure out where they had shot that. I don't know. And I think it's supposed to be airport security. Um, but although- they have this tile floor and a sunken part. Like, there was a <laughs> tiny step up to the, the last part of it. It was really weird. It's funny. So, well, somebody's like, were there any survivors? And I'm there- like, how could there have been survivors? The plane exploded in midair. Yeah. What? What part of your mind is thinking there may have been survivors? Seriously. And they're looking at it like they're asking Alex. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, he's like, why are you asking me? And they're like, well, you are, uh," and they won't finish it. And then I'll just, I'll just rip this bandaid off. Allie Larger's name is Clear. Oh, yeah. It's not Claire. It's Clear. Her name is Clear Rivers. 
so clear breaks in and is like, he's not a witch. And I was like, no one was going to say witch. Yeah. First of all, witch is not the first thing you think of when a man is clairvoyant. Yeah. <laughs> and she says it like, I would know, guys. Yeah. He's not a witch. And you're like, wait. So that leads you to think that she's a witch. <laughs> because you're like, okay, do you know because you are? And like, he's not at the meetings. <laughs> So the FBI walks in, because they're now involved, which, to be fair, a plane blew up after a kid screamed about the plane blowing up, and then ran off of it with seven people. And they're like, somebody walks in and is like, oh, your family's evolving called, they're all coming to get you. Oh, but real quick, first, we're going to interrogate you with the FBI. And yeah, it's like, they're like, let us know if you need anything, you know, like food, drink, counseling. Also, the FBI is here to ask you a few questions. Yeah. And I was like, what? Did you not call the families a little prematurely? But the other weird thing is he's 17 and he's being interviewed without his parents. Right. And all of them are minors. Don't except think the that's teacher. legal. Yeah. Trust me, his dad uh, made very clear that he was 17 and his whole life story and everything that was happening. So we find out that Clear only got off because she believed Alex when he was saying that everything was going to explode and, like, everybody had to get off the plane. Everybody's parents show up except for Clear's and... Just in case we were wondering if the shy nerd slash punk outcast had family issues. A little bit of a backstory. Yeah. Mm, I wonder if we'll get into that. Spoiler alert, we will. It'll be dumb. Don't worry. (laughs) But because her parents don't show up, oh yeah, his parents drop her off. Uh huh. So, you know, you're like, oh, these are pretty decent people. They're dropping off the kid who no one else, you know, can pick up. <laughs> so they leave her at the end of an incredibly long driveway at night in the pouring rain. It and is then pouring. Right. They they could have easily driven up the driveway I to drop her off. I didn't even think about that. That they didn't even drive <laughs> up the driveway. No, it's a super long. You can't even see the house from where no, she's standing. You're like I think I can see it. <laughs> yeah, and then drive off without waiting to see if anyone's home or she can get inside the house. She just stands there staring at them. Right. I'm like, these are the parents that didn't pick her up. I know, right? Maybe you want to double check that she could at least get inside. Yeah, that everything's not locked up because she they thought she was going to be gone. To Paris exactly. With her. Oh man. Well, it's a very different story back in his room, Alex's room. It's like he's gotten back from prison. His <laughs> parents are escorting him into his room. His dad's standing there like he's an overseer. Alex is walking incredibly slowly and sadly, and his mom's like, oh, you okay? I mean, I assume we're seeing it through a window. So that was a weird vibe. And they see on the news there's no survivors. And then you pan out, and you see his parents are asleep on the couch. Oh, and there's Alex. He's sitting in a chair wide awake watching the news with them. And I'm like, how are you letting your kid watch the news right now? You're bad parents. I know. And they don't offer to do anything to, like, distract him or anything. Like, let's play a board game. Or, like, let's watch your favorite movie. Or let's go out for ice cream. Like, something at least to try and take his mind off of what just happened. Oh, definitely. And I think this is the last time that we see them except for one glimpse of his dad later. Oh, that's fine. They're pretty deadbeat parents. (laughs) Yeah. Based on everything that happens, and they're not present. Oh, and um, in case you weren't sure if we should think that maybe he's not out of the woods yet, he walks up distraughtly to the window and sees lightning strike the street outside his house. Yes. And then nothing happens. Yep. We just had to see this. Just building suspense. (laughs) Is that what we would call that? Yeah. Okay. Um, What we in the biz call (laughs) suspense building. Oh, gosh. 
Um, so they cut to the funeral, and in the funeral, we're getting more exposition because they couldn't get this in any other way than at the funeral. Uh, it's a memorial service, I should say. It's not a funeral. At school. No cause determined yet. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to delay them. No, and the FBI agents are there at the memorial service, which I think is weird. Which is weird, because they didn't try and ask him questions. No, and these guys are literally everywhere. Like, every time you turn around, these FBI agents are there, somehow. Like, do you think you're going to see him doing something at the memorial service that's going to be like, yes, I did blow up the plane? We thought, yeah, that he would jump up And the teachers aren't going to report that to the FBI. Everyone's just going to be like, well, we understand, kid. They just have to be there right when it happens to clap those (laughs) manacles on him. So, it was only 39 days ago... Which actually seems like a long time for a memorial service. Well, it's a long time for a memorial service, but it's not long enough for the unveiling that they do. Yes. uh, It only takes 39 days to make a very ugly eagle (laughs) sculpture. This would have taken probably a year because somebody would have needed to order it, design it, pay for it. Exactly. A handful of people, it's not determined how they're chosen because I do see people we haven't seen yet, (laughs) but also all of the people we have seen getting up and with roses to put on the thing. In line, Alex is right behind Carter and his girlfriend, <laughs> oh and Carter gosh. gets really mad again. This is going to be all that he does in the entire movie. I'm just warning you. He starts getting mad, and he's like, I hope you don't think, Browning, because my name ain't up on this wall, that I owe you anything. I don't. It's all I owe are these people. Just live my life to the fullest. Why don't you stay off the JD then, huh, Carter? ever tell me what to do, all right? I control my life, not you. Carter. I'm never going to die. I'm never going to die. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Good luck with your endeavors. We wish you luck in your future endeavors. Keep chasing that rainbow. Yeah. So Sean William Scott walks up also. I'm sorry. I'm not going to learn his name because this is a better identifier. Yeah. He walks up, and he's the only one who's not in a suit and tie. He's wearing just a sweater. It's because he's goofy. Yeah, he is. Maybe you missed that. (laughs) He's goofy. Trust me, I didn't, because I saw his face. (laughs) He walks up to Alex and is like, hey, I just took my driver's license test, and the the person giving it said, young man, you're going to die at a very young age. Do you think that's true? And he's like, no. Not now, not here, not ever. I didn't so understand what he meant by this. So who are these people that are never going to die? <laughs> yeah. We're just all never going to die. Also, Did he you... doesn't know that. Like, he doesn't, he can't actually tell the future. Because he's going up to ask him, like, oh, if I ask this girl out, will she say yes? Like, he's just yeah, treating that's her the thing him that he like he's a fortune that. teller. Exactly. But he's saying this like he does, in fact, know. Yeah, I know. That he's not going to die Regardless of whether he ever dies, he's not going to die here or now. I'm like, how do you know? A plane exploded, killing most of your classmates. I know, right? I also then later questioned whether or not I had heard him correctly that he passed his driver's license exam. He passed with the lowest possible score. Yes. But you would think that he hadn't passed because every time we see him after that, he is on his bike. (laughs) I didn't think that. They made a point of saying he passed his driver's license exam but he's only on a bike maybe his parents are smart enough to not get him a car Mm, that would be good maybe he already wrecked it by the time we see him again yeah uh basically everybody is mad at alex todd's parents are mad at alex the teachers are mad at the teacher is weird about how he's like she's like afraid of him she's well and she is expressing it in a really inappropriate way for a teacher to Mm -hmm. do to a student like isn't she like get away from me yeah she's like don't talk to me you scared the hell out of me 
really harshly expressed towards a student who clearly freaked out. Like, it wasn't like he was morbidly like, everyone's gonna die. Yeah, he I curse didn't. you all to die on this plane. Like, he was like, <laughs> no, no, the plane's gonna explode. He didn't do it. He tried to get everybody off. Right. And he saved your life, whether you think of it that way or not. So maybe stop. Right. So I would understand her being like, I need to get away from you right now. Like, because she's yeah. just freaked out by it. But I don't understand her saying so harshly to him what she says. Yeah, I don't get that either. But I, I especially don't understand... Todd's parents. Yes. Todd's parents should love Alex. Yes. He should be their favorite person in the world because Todd's brother stayed on the plane. Todd's brother told Todd, go with him and make sure he's okay. Right. Which, so they why still would he son. not? He's he's his best friend, not yours. That's, I think it's implied that he's friends with both of them. But. Well, probably, but still. Um, so yeah, you still have a son. It is son. a little bit weird that he's friends with both of them. They both didn't get off the plane, but I it's know. only so that Todd can have a dead brother. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you still have one son because of his freak out. They were. They were really harsh. Everyone acted like he caused the plane crash, which is yeah. weird, especially when you've known this kid. This kid's been your friend's, your children's friend forever. Yeah. They're all like so mad that they're right. still alive. So they would obviously know he didn't cause the plane crash. Yeah. So then they should be beyond thankful that one of their children is still alive. Yeah, exactly. We cut to Todd's bathroom because that's where everything needs to happen with Todd, in a bathroom. Yep. There's wind everywhere again. Is it a good sign? We don't know. <laughs> the door closes with the wind and you're like, oh, this can't be good. It's not. We see the toilet line starts leaking a bunch of water. For some reason, what's actually really important is that he's sitting on the toilet. I know. When like, it starts leaking blue fluid. Like he couldn't, first of all, why is it blue? I know why. It's so we can see it against the tiles. We could still have seen it. <laughs> yeah. This isn't old movies where we need to put milk in the water so we can <laughs> see it better. Yeah, he's sitting on it. Which no reason for him to need to sit on the toilet. Didn't need to happen. Did not need to happen. It could have just happened while he was in there. Mm-hmm. He stands up and then he starts to shave with a totally dry face. It's not even <laughs> wet. I know. And he's been looking at this razor before, which makes me think that it's, it was his brother's razor. Maybe, but the weird thing is he's like as smooth as a baby's bottom also. I'm like, what are you shaving right now? <laughs> and he puts it down. Because he also shaves a really difficult part to shave. Yeah, exactly. He starts on the neck. Yeah. Um, so, at a corner. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I always like to start with my knees. While, so While they're completely dry. Oh, of course. <laughs> I'm not going to waste water on this. I'd rather just use a bunch of Band-Aids later. Like, <laughs> what I save in water... I more than lose in plaster and bandages yeah. later. The blood will lubricate the rest of my legs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So he puts the razor down, plugs in the radio, instantly unplugs it. Oh, and then we're like, oh no, he's going to be standing in water a soon. Because song. Yeah, I thought he was going to get electrocuted. Well, it's Rocky Mountain High. Oh. Like, again. The, the same song plays I don't know the song well enough to instantly recognize it from a half second of audio. Movie. Well, how sad for you. <laughs> the same song keeps playing through the entire movie. Rocky Mountain High. And so he instantly unplugs it and Death's like, oh, gotta, gotta get a new plan. I was gonna like there's like a him. huge spark when he unplugs yeah, it. exactly. He opens the curtain and I don't know, is he his mother's laundress? <laughs> because he, there's stockings and stuff hanging on a line in the shower drying and he starts i don't is he gonna take a shower i don't know 
he opens it and he starts like to take them off, but then he slips on the water. And I'm like, why were you moving your feet while you were just standing right, there? And the water has been following him around the bathroom. Yes. Like whenever he moves to a different place, the water's like, oh, and turns to follow him. <laughs> Yeah. Which I'm like, death is playing a pretty strong hand here. Like, if you're making the water go a different direction, that's... Tony Todd can do anything. I know he's not death, but I imagine that he is, <laughs> and it makes the movie better. So, he slips on the water while he's just standing there not moving his feet, and he falls into the shower. The line breaks on one end, but stays on the other end, wraps around his neck so tightly with no clear end, like, did it tie a knot in mm-hmm. itself, that he's hanging there and he's slipping so much in the tub that he can't stand up. And it's just the most ridiculous death in the world. Yeah. And he's hanging there, and he dies, and then the water retreats. So it looks like he hanged himself. Which, I have to say, I think you could really obviously see in a postmortem that he was, was struggling scratching a lot. to get, yeah. Well, and they do mention that. But Bruises. also just looking at it, yeah. you could tell, because for one thing, that fluid would be everywhere. Like, it would be obvious that he'd been trying to get traction on his feet. Yeah. It would be really obvious that this was accidental. It, Yeah, it should have been. So, cut in with this, we see that Alex has gone full 9-11 truther about this <laughs> Gosh, plane crash. Where did he get all of this material That's a from? really good question that I didn't think of. He instantly has access to all this, these books, printed out materials. I guess it's been 39 days, didn't you oh, say? Oh, that's so true. So maybe he's gone to the library, which, yeah. so you know. Research plane crashes. I'm like, probably should make the FBI question the fact that they're still following him around if he had to go to the library to research explosions and plane crashes after <laughs> Afterwards, exactly. Uh, And at the same time, were they to search your room, not a good look. (laughs) No. There's also this really weird moment where he takes out a penthouse magazine. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he's taking a break. Yeah. And what I like to do, taking a break in researching explosions and terrible deaths. Where a bunch of my friends died. Yeah, is to take a break looking at some naked ladies. Oh, same. That's so funny. I think it's just common. Yeah. nature. It must just be everyone. To lighten um, the mood. And it's weird because then he looks over at a photo of Clear and, like, feels bad. And he's <laughs> going to put it away until an owl, like, scares him at his window. And so he throws the magazine at it. And I was like, what kind of human are you? It's super cool to see an owl. Yeah. And this guy, like, throws his penthouse magazine at it. He gets into the fan and he sees a, a piece of paper blown back at him that says Todd. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, Todd. Yeah. So he's gone down to the house, and by the time he gets there, the coroner is Which, I'm like, you didn't want to call? No. no. You just, like, run to the house. It'll be faster than calling. He wasn't even running. He was, like, walking. (laughs) Um, Just call and be like, hey, man, are you all right? Clear is already there for some reason. She's there behind a tree. And she's like, get out of here. Leave. And... Todd's dad walks up to him. His parents are crying, and his dad walks up to him and is like, you caused his guilt over his brother dying. Which was bizarre. Seriously, he saved him from dying in a terrible plane crash, and now you're going to blame the kid that saved him? I know. And I I don't understand that. I mean, and it would only make sense if, like... If he'd been guilt-tripping him over not making his brother get off the plane, too, which or, he hadn't been. Or if he had... If he, if the guy thought 
that he really blew up the plane. But it didn't seem like he did, or his reprimands would have been, you blew up the plane. <laughs> Cut to daytime, sometime. I guess it's summer, so they're not doing anything anyway. But Alex walks up to Clear's house, and she's welding. Yep, like you she's do. so cool. And she says, it's almost autumn? This was such a dumb exchange. And he's like, what? And she's like... Even one week into summer, you can almost feel autumn coming. I like to be able to tell the future. And I was like, more like you've just lived on this planet and are a human who can know things. Like, duh, autumn's coming. Also, you can't, I mean, yeah, duh, autumn's coming, but you can't feel autumn at the very beginning of summer. You know it's coming. Maybe. But in that sense, you can feel next summer coming this summer. Like, I know, right? Well, you especially can't feel it here in Texas. It's one of those things that was, I feel like, supposed to sound a lot deeper than it actually did, which just sounded ridiculous. Yeah. Made her sound like an idiot. Everything they have her say in this scene sounds ridiculous. Because she also shows him this super weird welding sculpture. She's like, this is you. And he's like, what? She's like, no, it's not a likeness. It's... How I feel when I look at you. How you make me feel. And I was like, ugly and like with holes in you? (laughs) And she's like, you guys both don't know what you are. You just are. And I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) So many of the things that they had people say in this movie were so stupid. Yeah. So she's saying that the reason that she got off the plane is because she's connected to him and can feel what he feels. And that's also why he was at she was at Todd's house. And why she believed Which him. Which is so weird. And never really gone into in the future in any meaningful way. No, it isn't. Does It's... No. Um, so he starts talking. And he's like, what if Todd was just the first of us? Like, what if we're all dying? I would love to see him again one more time. And she's like, well, let's go. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, also, what a hypothesis to jump to. Yeah. Maybe we're all dying. Yeah, maybe all of us that were on the plane crash are going to suddenly be killed by death. Like, it was such a jump to make. Yeah. I mean, he only goes halfway there. But this thing of, like, maybe we're all going to die. What? So bizarre. So we just see them hopping in through the roof of the morgue. Yep. Onto a coffin. Just, uh, there was no one in it. Don't worry. So they walk in and Todd's body's just sitting there. Yeah. It's just there. It's out there laid out. It's on the table. Um, there's a reason for it. It's because Tony Todd's a working on it right now. <laughs> he walks in and scares them, but he's totally fine with the kids being there. He's probably happy when anyone wanders into his lair so that he can scare them about how death is a sentient being that has plans for us all and rules the universe. <laughs> yeah. Man, this guy just knows it all. Oh, yeah. Well, he's the candy man. He can explain everything to all us. All powerful. They said something about a mistake or like it was an accident. And he says, uh, in death, there are no accidents, no mishaps, no mistakes. And he talks about how death has a plan for all of us. He managed to thwart that plan, but it just means that death changes the plan. And he would have to like see the patterns and see if he could avoid it again. But (laughs) if you cheat death, death will choose a new design for you. The risk of disrespecting the design is high and it, you could end up with a death so horrible because of it because death gets mad at you yeah also i don't really know i feel like that's not really proven any because all these deaths are pretty quick 
Well, Tony Todd knows it. Most people would consider the horrible deaths like the ones that were excru- excruciatingly painful and lingering. Yeah. And I mean, nobody dies like that in this movie. Yeah, Todd's death took like 30 seconds. Yeah. I, I mean, to everyone else, they look terrible because of how freakish they are, but not to the people necessarily that it's happening to. I think the horrible one actually was the teacher. That one wasn't a great one. Just because it was so, like, long. Yeah. So, which is funny. And that one was like a true Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah, and she didn't deliberately try and thwart death. Like, none of these people did except the guy with the vision. Yeah. So here's the thing. They hear this guy rambling these nutso theories about death who basically in this theory controls the entire universe because if he if the design is all to get you to die that means your entire life is being controlled by death that's kind of what he makes it sound like and it's that's so what insane. everyone makes it sound like yeah it's not which i'm like but guys this isn't death like at this point this is like a god this isn't some type of god yeah it's not it's controlling your every because then they're controlling your life not your death like this isn't exactly you do die in the end but you die in the end anyway <laughs> i know exactly <laughs> so but they, they hear these crazy ramblings, and they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. Well, mostly mostly Alex thinks that they're right. So they're sitting at a cafe later, and he's like, what if everything that we're doing right now, like, you, you want to try to avoid the plan, but what if everything that we're doing right now is furthering the plan? And he lists several things, the last of which is breathing the air. And I was like, you know, if you stop doing that, <laughs> you're definitely furthering the design. But you'd be thwarting death. Like, you breathing the air is keeping you alive. Maybe strike that one off the list of things <laughs> to not do. And he sounds crazy enough that Clear is like, well, after you're saying this, I really believe that Todd killed himself. (laughs) All right. Because the other thing is, they're setting this up to, and this is kind of the problem with the Final Destination movies. Oh, hang on. (laughs) There's a problem with them? (laughs) So, yes. The problem is that in these movies... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. There, there, aren't, so. a, there aren't enough novels. They're not four hours long, and there's not enough of them. Exactly. Got it. Um, no, the problem is that fate in these movies is so strong that it's inescapable, in which case there's no point in trying to live your own life, because everything is fated yeah. from the very beginning. So even if you escape fate, fate will just come back for you. If death is controlling every single person's life, to get them to die in the way that death wants them to, for some reason, mm-hmm. then it means they're controlling things about whether you slept in late that morning and missed your plane. Yeah. It's controlling things about whether your car broke down on the way. But it's not controlling. I had a vision. I know. And that's, saw that the plane was going to explode. That's weird. And it's also like, why doesn't it just be like, oh, your appendix burst? Well, that too. Yeah, well, yeah, it's super easy for death to kill you just with your own body. That's not... Are you yeah. going to eat anytime soon? Yeah. Um, the only way to get around that is if the vision came from a supernatural entity that was opposing death. And that's the weird thing that there isn't one of those. There's not a way out. Right. And this isn't some sort of supernatural battle that's just being acted out in your life. Like... No. Death is all-powerful and all-controlling, which makes me wonder how the vision even came about. And if it wasn't, yeah. it should have come about from an entity that was opposing death. And it doesn't. Nobody ever mentions that in any of the five no. movies that I've seen. And that it, I've read the plot summaries of. Right. I have not seen them. Well, and it would also make 
more sense because it would give the humans a chance against this thing that's all powerful. Otherwise, this is just the way the universe works, so there's no point in thinking about it. And or that's kind of trying. the sense of futility that I got watching the movie. Yes. I was like, why are you even trying this? No, totally, because it's like, well, you're going to die anyway. And you're going to die soon, and you're going to die in a horrible way. And otherwise, you're going to be living your life in such an unhappy way that what's even the point of trying to stay alive? Death would be better at this point. That's the biggest thing that I noticed. I was like, by the end of the movie, I was like, this life is not a life worth preserving. Because it's not like if you stay alive for a month, then you're in the clear. Like, this is just the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. So the jock pulls up. Carter pulls up. And feels the need to stop and get out. And He sees him, and he instantly turns around, kind of, like, knocks over Sean William Scott on his <laughs> bike. Yeah. So Carter and Terry, his girlfriend, are in his sports car, and he, like, swings around, and he's so mad because he's seen Alex, and he yeah. can't bear that. So he turns around, the teacher walks out of the cafe, and... Carter is like... When are you uh, moving? A uh, couple weeks. Oh, that's too Carter bad. Dick. She was her favorite teacher. Baby, come on. Look, guys, there's something I need to tell you, okay? Alex. And you've been your whole life. Wait, and you probably yeah. are not going to believe And now it. she's got to move. You listen to hey, you all the Enough! He's the only reason she's still alive to move. Seriously. And the teacher doesn't even mention that. The teacher... So looked- the teacher is also afraid of him. Yeah, but the teacher's also acting like she agrees with Carter. No, I think she does. Which is insane. How does that's nobody what I mean? She's this... afraid of Alex. How... Well, yeah, but not afraid of. Like, she's not She's not even, like, it's one thing to be afraid of someone and yet still realize that without they whatever didn't... they did, you would you would be dead. Yeah, like, she just hates She is him. acting like she completely agrees with Carter's logic on, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have to move from my beloved hometown. Yeah. Nobody fights this logic with... Yeah, she'd be freaking dead. All of you would be dead. It doesn't matter if you don't like this guy or you're upset with him or you're angry with him. You have to at least acknowledge the fact that all of you would be dead. I know. The only people who aren't mad are Clear and Sean William Scott. Yeah. And the girlfriend. And it's implied that he's too stupid. Carter's girlfriend also is not angry. And that's mostly because she's trying to contain Carter's rage for her whole life. So... Terry gets really mad and she's like, stop it. Just stop arguing. Stop doing this. I'm not going to let this be the most important thing in my life. And if you can't move on, then I'll move on without you. And she's standing in the street like she's going to walk across the street and a bus hits her. Yeah. Everybody splattered in her blood. And I have to say, I did not see that coming. I thought that that was coming because they showed, uh, they'll, they'll do this thing where sometimes they'll see in like a reflection in a window like, the vehicle that's going to kill somebody. Mm. And I think he did see that with the bus. So Alex is back to watching the news. And there's now a theory on what happened. And it's something that I can't remember. But it's stupid. It's something about the electrical system exactly. on the airplane. So it's an explosion. And they show, they have a news graphic, which is overly simplistic. I'm <laughs> sure not created by the experts. And <laughs> it shows where the explosion went. And Alex is like, oh, that's where Todd was sitting. And then... All of a sudden, like, prints it out, starts using that as a Bible for everything that's happening. And it's like, oh, we're dying in the order that we would have died. Which is also bizarre. Are you telling me that the all-powerful, all-controlling death that controls all of our lives is also so pedantic that he feels the need to kill the people who escaped death in the order they would have died by microseconds. Yeah, I know. Like, by a very small amount of time. And possibly not even that. Like, you don't even know if that would have killed them at the time. Yeah. 
So he's figuring out what order they're dying in now. He figures out the next one is the teacher. We cut to her and she's walking around her house crying on the phone to her sister. She sees Alex lurking in her front yard and calls the FBI agent. Which, to be fair, I don't know why he's lurking around out front like he can do something. Yeah, right? What's he going to do? Knock on the door and be like, hey, I think you're going to die. I hope you don't take that the wrong way. He's like checking her car out and just like he's not even trying to walk up to her house. He's like checking her car out. He's kind of like trying to look in windows from the driveway. I'm like, you are not selling this, man. Like seriously. And that looks really bad when uh, Agent Shrek, by the way, (laughs) is his name. When he rolls up and they, he's like looking at her tires, crouched down by her car. So he gets picked up by them. And then we see the wind blowing through a closed window into the teacher's house. Alex is telling the FBI his theory, which he probably shouldn't have done. But it works because he gets let go anyway and they don't follow him. Right, because they have no evidence to hold him. So done and done. Glad and brought him in. I'm like, when has that ever stopped law enforcement from holding people? Also, why did the FBI go pick him up? If they had no evidence to hold him. And it was all based on if you would collapse into a crying confession. They, they weren't even trying that hard for. Why didn't the police come pick him up? Yeah, they also really just didn't want to hold him at that point. Because you could hold him, charge him with trespassing. Yeah. So the teacher puts on a John Denver record. Her mother's. Yep. And plays that Rocky. That we are told for no her reason. favorite. And plays Rocky Mountain High. <laughs> she <laughs> starts making tea. And we see the shadow in the tea kettle, which we also saw in Todd's mirror. Yeah. And she throws the tea towel over the knives. She puts the hot water and the tea bag in a mug, picks it up, Screams like she saw a mouse in it and tosses her tea across <laughs> the room. Like, not the not the mug throws the tea out of it. And it turns out she's doing this because it's a mug from the high school. Oh, my gosh. That's why she freaked out. And she's like, oh, you've got to stop doing this. It's just a mug. And I'm like, who freaks out that way? You drop the mug or you throw the whole thing. You don't throw the water out of it. Also, you didn't look at the mug before this moment? Nope. Like, you grabbed it off a shelf, you put a tea bag in it, you put water in it, you didn't, you weren't looking at it during any of that? I guess not. I mean, I, I would say that's understandable, but every time I take a mug out, I am choosing which mug. Well, you can't help but look at it. You yeah. have to look at it to touch it. They're all different. Well, yeah, and I also don't understand why this would scare her rather than just make her sad. That's the thing. Like, why did it scare her like it was a huge spider? Yeah, it should have just made her sad. Yeah, I don't get that. Um, But she's going to solve her problem by pouring vodka from the freezer into it instead. Yep. So because it had hot water in it, it cracks the mug. Right. At the bottom in a place that would probably never crack under. Like at the corner. Also, when cracks form in mugs, they're not cracks like that. Yeah. There was like gaps yeah. in the mug. I mean, it was, well, it was also trickling a huge amount, like kind of a steady stream of vodka out, which she yeah. doesn't notice at all, even though I'm like, the problem is. How do you not notice that? Right. Because the problem is, it's not, it wouldn't technically be dripping on you, except that you were walking. So if you moved your leg out, mm-hmm. you would feel the vodka fall on your pant leg. So she takes this super leaky mug and puts it down on her old school computer monitor. It, which I'm already like, why would you 
Why like, did you put what any? What kind of safety is this? Or computer care program. Yeah, like, computer just, care. You just shouldn't put anything, a drink down on your computer. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. So she does it anyway, and it gets water that leaks from the vents into the monitor, and that makes electrical sparks start to fly. She stands up, and she's staring at it because it's smoking. And it's not even on, by the way. <laughs> but it's smoking. And instead of just breaking the computer, and then later you can't turn it on, it smokes, catches fire, and explodes. Well, that's the way computers work, Hannah. I mean, that's why they had to modernize them, because they're so dangerous previously. It was so easy to have the uh, glass from the screen explode into your neck. Yeah. It was a huge problem in the early 2000s. I'm surprised you don't remember it. I don't. It's weird, too, because I'm older than you. (laughs) So she instantly pulls it out of her neck, is bleeding everywhere. Blood's apparently highly flammable because the fire just, like, follows her in a trail. (laughs) And... Some alcohol in her system. Yeah, right? The several sips that she had (laughs) that didn't leak out of the mug instantly. Maybe Um, she'd already been drinking and that's why she jumped when she saw the school (laughs) on the mug. Yeah, exactly. Um, But also explain why she called the FBI on her student. Yeah, right? She slips on blood, vodka, both. I don't know. Fire. Fire slips on the fire. (laughs) And uh, she's reaching up for the tea towel that she has hung over the knives, grabs it, knife stabs her in the stomach. And that's when Alex rushes in and is, like, going to try to help her or something with, like, everything that's happened and the house is on fire also. Right, at this point I'd be like, oh, shucks. Well, let's go to the next one then. And that's when the explosions start. Tiny explosions all over the house. I don't understand. Um, He runs out of the house because she is dead at this point. I just want to say this wouldn't have been a problem if there had been more asbestos in that house. Yeah, you know what? I feel like we don't hear asbestos' good side enough. (laughs) No, we don't. Hashtag, not all asbestos. (laughs) The whole house explodes, and Sean William Scott is outside on his bike, because he's never not biking around. Yep. He likes to keep fit and see what's happening. Carter and Sean William Scott show up in the next scene. I mean, we just, like, cut to they're showing up at the next scene at the memorial. Carter starts carving Terry's name in with a knife on the memorial because he needs to just be carrying a knife around. And then you find out that Clear called them to meet them there. They go in his Impala, uh, Carter's Impala, which they only noticed was an Impala because it's the same car they drive in Supernatural. (laughs) They go to find Alex at his house and Clear goes to talk to him about her dad dying. She's like, I was always so worried that my parents were going to die. And then my dad got shot getting cigarettes at the gas 7-11. station or 7-Eleven. Yeah. It's always cigarettes at the 7-Eleven. Right? And what she's saying is really weird because I don't get the point of it. She talks about how then her mom remarried this guy who was horrible and didn't want a kid. So then her mom didn't really want a kid either. And I'm like, so they what? Left and left you this big house? To live in well, by yourself? I kept expecting her to be like, and then they ship me off to live with my grandparents or something. Yeah. She but implies they that they just didn't. left a big house there for her. Yeah. And, like, money. I feel like she didn't finish her story. I know. Because also, she has all this welding equipment in her garage, which would be expensive. Yeah, she clearly does not want for money. She was going on a trip to France. Yeah. That I doubt that the school funded completely. No. 
and probably needed parents' signatures. So she's like, there's still, like, I still imagine a place where my, I think that place still exists where, like, my dad is alive and whatever, whatever. And it kind of sounds like she's talking about alternate universes and realities. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, don't, you can't ever give up. And I was like, what are you, what are you advocating for right now? Because he's like, if that was death's design, then, yeah, you know, then I don't like it. And I'm like, well... But you can't change it, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. They get Alex in the car, and they're going to her dad's cabin, and they talk about who's next. And Carter is obsessed with, like, if you know who's next, tell me who's next. I'm next, aren't I? Oh, my gosh, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next. And then he never, ever confirms this, by the way. No. Um, The fact that you're not saying anything only confirms it to me. Exactly. The fact that you're saying I'm not next only means more than I am. Then it's so funny, though, because then Alex is like, look, we're all on the same list. Like, it doesn't matter who's next. We're all going to die. And he's like, wait, really? And I'm like, yeah, do you not understand what's happening right now? What have you thought was going on? Yeah, it's not like that's taking its time. When you ask who's next, do you know what that means? You didn't ask who's only. Like... Just who's next? Like, come on. So after that, Carter kind of flips out and he's like, well, fine, then I'm just going to kill all of us right now. And he starts driving like a crazy person, going through stop signs. Which I'm like, yeah. I mean, You should. Let's save everyone some time here. He's not wrong, but he should let people that don't want to be in the death car get out. (laughs) And that's what they were saying. They were like, let us out. And he was like, no. (laughs) Instead of death decide, I'm in charge. Instead of death deciding for you, I decide for you now. That's better. Um, But also, okay, but here's the thing, right? All part of death's design. He decides to go crazy, take everyone, lock them in this murder car, go off and kill them all. This is clearly death's design. I know. This is, oh. That's the whole thing. Like, anything that they're doing... You could just say, like, and this is the There thing. is no free will in this movie, except when the, the script suddenly says that there's free will. And death is angry because of free will. And this is what reads like a... Why this script reads like a conspiracy theory. Because you can only ever... Like, when you, there's a real conspiracy, even a lack of proof is proof that it's real. Yeah. Like, oh, well, that just means they're really good at doing their jobs. They're really good at hiding it. Well, no, it's definitely real now. And that's kind of what this is. Like, you can always look at it and say, well, you were supposed to do that, too. Well, you were also supposed to do that. Right. Well, this was also part of the plan. So it's weird that they don't see that. But he ends up on train tracks with the train coming, and he just parks it. And he's like, nope. And, I mean, it's an old Impala, so there are not... You can't unlock it yourself, I guess. I don't know. He locks, and he won't let them out. Um... This was confusing. Alex had a vision of the seatbelt breaking, but I thought that was his seatbelt breaking, and then he couldn't get out of his seatbelt. And I was like, what? But it turned out it was just a vision, which we see later. Anyway, they end up all being able to get out of the car, and then they're trying to get Carter out of it. And then Because the train's coming. Right. Which, I'm like, whatever, man. Just let him die. Like, it doesn't matter. Because... I would be more concerned about the fact that you've left a car in front of this train. Yeah. I, I'd be more that's concerned what, about the train. That's what concerns me more than anything. But then he changes his mind, and he does it so confidently and casually. He's like, I changed my mind. It's not time for me to die. 
and then he tries to get out and he can't. The car locks and won't let him out and he can't get his seatbelt undone. And Alex goes up and tries to help him and he's trying to pull him out the window and he does succeed in breaking the seatbelt and it's because he had a vision that it was going to happen. So he pulls them out. The train keeps going, which is not what a train would do after it hit a car on the tracks. Yeah. They definitely stop when that happens. Um, For one thing, you need to check and see if there's any red smears on the inside of it. uh, Seriously, yeah. Because that's really bad press for your company. I mean, it's not your fault. Right, if they were parked on the the train tracks, it would be their fault. But but it's still always a hassle, and it's it's not... But it becomes a problem for your company when you continued going for 60 miles after you hit that car. get to the next station. Oh, I think I hit a car There should be a car on the front of my train. (laughs) Yeah. Sean William Scott now starts freaking out because Carter had been next. And he was like, well, I don't want, I don't need need this. I don't need to be around you. Blah, blah, blah. And he, he does it right. Like, and you can see the train, like, behind him. And you're like, oh, my gosh. I know. And the way they have this, this shot framed, really you're like, obvious. okay, well, he's just, he's going to, now he's going to do this. And then also factor in the fact that you can see a big thing of sheet metal going around under the train in cut scenes. So, uh, it cuts part of his head off. Yeah. Which is the stupidest death yet. It, no, yeah, because it cuts his, his head entirely off. And I was like, what is going... Like, for one thing, that would have to be a super sharp piece of metal. Yeah. And that would need to be going with such force. And it was clearly, like, a kind of flimsy piece of metal. Yeah. So this is when we learn that if you... Escape Death's plan again. He just kind of skips you on the list, which I'm like, yeah. I thought Death was this weird, pedantic, no, I have to do it in the order they would have died in for no reason. It's so, so why weird. does he just skip people? Like, oh, well, that one's too hard. I'll get him later. Let it's, me just keep going with this list. Yeah, it's bizarre. So now they're going off of that. So the next person is Alex. So... He's sitting in the cabin, and he's taking insane precautions. He's got a hurricane lamp, I guess so he doesn't have to use electricity. And I'm like, you know that one lady's house caught fire. Right. Um, I know, he's acting like somehow he's in a safer position, which I'm like, that cabin looks like a death trap. And it is, as we see. I mean, you know, he doesn't die there, but there's a lot of... he's also eating unlabeled canned food. It turns out to have been chicken spread, but it looked like cat food. <laughs> it did look like cat food, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to poison yourself. I was like, that's an easy one. Botulism. There you yeah. go. Yeah, and this is the point where I was like, this is no kind of life. Yeah. <laughs> you really want to keep doing this forever? Come on, that's not worth it. The only thing I could think that would make it worth it is if that you knew that everyone behind you would still be alive. But you're also putting an insane amount of confidence in the idea that death wouldn't decide, you know what, I'll come back to you later also. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. So, at night, we're at Clear's house. Mm -hmm. And she's looking at a photo of her and her father going fishing. And it says, me and dad in 86. And I'm like, okay, it's 2000 and you're 17. (laughs) So, you were three? (laughs) Uh, that yeah, that she's clearly older than that, and and that is easy math, you guys. <laughs> That's a ridiculous mistake to make. <laughs> and I get that all of these actors were twenty two to twenty nine, but come on, right? 
So she's thinking about it, and I think she's like, oh, I can't lose another friend or loved one or something. He's basically as close to me as my dad. Yeah, exactly. He's the closest thing I have anyway. So the FBI is outside of her house, and they're like, where is he? And she's like, "Um, I want to tell you, it's not safe for him alone out there in the woods. But she wants to go with him, and they're like, "Uh, no, we can't do that. So he, she's like, fine, and just tells them. He is sitting in the woods and is going through newspapers, sees photos of the two girls that asked to switch seats with him, and realizes that Clear is next and not him because he forgot that he would have switched seats if the vision had gone as planned. Right. So he was mistaking where they were sitting. There's a bunch of lightning and electrical stuff outside Claire's, Clear's window right now as well. Um, the law shows up and Alex easily evades them in a canoe. <laughs> which is weird to me. They weren't expecting it. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't. So they get to the other side of the lake and they have a big chase through the woods. It's very long. Cut with a live wire whipping around the outside of Clear's house. You know, like they do. They definitely don't just lie there on the ground yeah, not no. doing anything. Well, they would, except for that sinister wind. Oh, that's true. Oh, goodness. Alex almost drowns in the wood because he gets trapped in a tree and his face under a tree and his face is in a puddle. <laughs> I mean, the ways that this is so ridiculous. He gets to clear sees that she's in a car that's about to explode because there's a fire underneath it but she can't get out because of all the live wires whipping around and he's like i'm gonna grab the wire and you get out of the car and if i die then it will skip you so he's sacrificing himself for her he also claims, by the way, that she's safe in the car from the electricity because the tires ground the car, which they don't. <laughs> they are insulation, not grounding. Yeah. So he grabs it and is is unconscious on the floor, dead or not, we don't know. He also did you see him like sit up a little bit when the guy starts doing CPR on him? Oh, no, chest compression. And I, I don't know if that was like a mistake or if they thought that a person would actually do that because mm. guess what they don't. Yeah, I know. Next thing we see, all three of them, Carter, Clear, and Alex, getting off a plane in France. So I guess Carter is less of a jerk now and they can sit next to him on a flight that long? They stayed friends? This is a bonding experience for them? I guess so, but then later on he still seems like a jerk. Yeah. Uh, And they're like, wow, we finally made it. Who would have thought that we'd all get on a plane again and then go to Paris? They're sitting there. Like, it feels, like, dangerous for the rest of the people on the plane for you to get on there with them. Yeah, you're gambling with a lot of other people's lives. Because they're super confident about, like, well, we tricked death and now we're just gonna live our lives. Exactly. It's six months later, by the way. As they're sitting there, Alex pulls out the seating chart again for the plane. What do you carry around plane. on his person? But that's my thing. I was like, you had to pack this, put it in your pants for this cafe excursion. <laughs> you packed this to Paris to talk about it. Yeah. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Which they kind of also say, his friends. Yeah, they're like, um, can we not talk about this anymore? Like, really? And he's like, no, because of this path. And I don't even remember what he was saying. But... He kind of freaks out, 
Because the street musician starts playing Rocky Mountain High, and he's singing it in French. Well, and he realizes that no one intervened for him. Yes. So it doesn't make sense that he would have been skipped. Right. Or that he should be safe right now. Yeah. So he thinks that he's going to die, and he freaks out, and he's like, don't follow me. I'm leaving. Uh, You'll be in danger if you follow me. So he starts walking away, and this time she has the vision. And she sees a bus or something like that that's going to hit him. So she calls him and saves him, and then... And then he's like, oh, now I'm safe. And Carter's like, who's going to be next? And then we see this huge sign hit him on the back of the head and obviously kill him. It cuts right before it hits him. Right. Yeah. So obviously the cycle is starting over again with now Carter being killed, and then it would be clear and... uh, Alex. Alex. Which makes sense. Which does make sense. Once again, I'm like, I don't know why Death waited for six months for some reason. He's like, I I'm know. just gonna wait. I'm just gonna mess with him all of it. He was working on another bunch of teams. <laughs> but once again, so now somebody else has a vision, which really makes it feel like there should be. I just can't believe that there was no sequel that included this concept. That yeah, there was a vi- there was a force, a supernatural force that was giving people these visions in an attempt to fight death. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. Because I feel like this screams... And this is my problem, actually. It's not that this movie is so terrible, because a lot of first movies and horror franchises are pretty terrible, but that nobody expanded it into anything more worthwhile. Yeah. Like, because you look at the Freddy and Jason movies and, like, a lot of the common franchises, and as they go on, stuff about them changes. It's not just the same movie over and over again. And sometimes they change in really bizarre and hilarious ways. Yes. But they always change and evolve. In this one, I read the plot description for the five Final Destination movies, and it sounds like it's the same movie over and over and over and over again. It pretty And nothing much changes is. and nothing progresses. And I'm like, that's ridiculous, because for starters... Where are the visions coming from? How are people thwarting death in the first place? So, like, that should be an issue that gets delved into. And then you could have this whole supernatural epic struggle between some good force and some evil force over the control of humans' destinies and all that. Like, you could make it into something interesting. Exactly. the other thing is, I'm like, I don't know if death was supposed to be so sadistic and cruel to the people who escape his design... And this guy not only escaped his design, but saved seven other people from his design. What I don't understand is why Death didn't basically frame Alex for the murder of those seven people in the plane explosion. And the way he dies is through the electric chair. That would have been pretty cool. I feel like that would have been way better because it would have been a lingering, horrible, long wait for an inevitable death. Yeah, that would have been really cool. And your honor would have been... Complete, like, your name would have been completely besmirched. Like, you would be forever remembered as that guy who exploded a plane and then murdered seven people. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't well thought out at all. I can definitely see why it wasn't used as an X-Files thing, and it definitely shouldn't have been extended into a film. So, our next movie is going to be Transformers 5, The Last Night, which will be the last Transformers movie in our series until the next one comes out in theaters. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Which I think is maybe the Bumblebee movie that will be coming out next. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. There is a Bumblebee prequel. Yes. But in the meantime, we'll all be able to enjoy uh, our Arthurian legend-themed Transformers. Oh my gosh. That's what it needed. More grandiosity. (laughs) 
So that's what's next on More Is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.